Progressive Rugby League. G'day all, John O'Duncan, back as your walking, jogging, cleaning, cooking, pottering, hopefully not sleeping companion. Good to be back inside your head. You know, I was a nervous and somewhat anxious kid. Nothing debilitating, but it was definitely something. Anyway, as time went on, I was lucky to learn how to deal with it, and these days it's mostly a non-issue. And you know, aside from talking about it, one of the key breakthroughs for me, a real liberating milestone, was learning not to spend my whole life comparing myself with others. The tyranny of comparison, gee, it can suck the life out of a day. You just got to set a path for yourself and focus your energy on that, I've found. And while it's impossible not to totally rid yourself of comparison, it's natural after all, and it's not always a bad thing, too much of it leaves you doomed to a life of self-absorption and prevents you from being able to take genuine joy from the success of others. I'm glad I got there in the end because our guest today has done some wonderful things on and off the field that all of us in the rugby league community can take real pride out of and gain real strength from. Not yet 25, our guest has represented New Zealand in tag, touch and test rugby league and played a pivotal role in helping the Kiwi Ferns lift the Rugby League World Cup Nines Trophy last October. She has also captained the New Zealand Warriors in the NRLW and helped her local team, the Richmond Roses, to successive Auckland Rugby League Grand Finals. Our guest's off-field achievements might be even more impressive. Her commitment to her work as Community Relations Officer at the New Zealand Warriors has been a beacon for many disadvantaged groups around Auckland and contributed to her being named Young New Zealander of the Year in February 2020. Meanwhile, myself at the age of 25, well, let's just say it's a good thing I don't do comparisons anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm guessing you already know exactly who our guest is, not least because her name is in the description of the podcast you just downloaded. Gotta stop doing these Who Am I intros. Our guest, of course, is the great and wonderful Georgia Hale. Georgia is joining us from a home in beautiful Auckland, Georgia. Thank you for taking the time and a warm welcome to the Progressive Rugby League podcast. Cool. Thanks so much for having me. No worries. Georgia, you've taken the time out of your busy weekend to talk to me. A weekend that includes your second game back following the post-COVID resumption for the Richmond Roses in the Auckland Rugby League competition. What is a typical game day for you? You've got one this afternoon. Are you a nervous waiter or do you take it as it comes? Yeah, I love game day. I really look forward to it and I really try to enjoy all the moments leading up to it because kind of a third of the game's over, you've got to wait the whole week to play again. So (laughs) I try and really soak it up. You know, obviously I feel some nerves on game day, but also some excitement. So I try and ease into my day, you know, have a nice slow breakfast, maybe go for a walk down the beach and just kind of enjoy the moments and then, yeah, look forward to my game this afternoon. Fabulous. Now, by the time this episode is available, the game will be over. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say congratulations on a fine win and an excellent individual performance. Is that okay? Yeah, that's absolutely fine. (laughs) Now, this is a team you've been part of for quite a while and you've had relative success making several grand finals, but you'd never quite nailed that grand final win for the Richmond Roses. Now, one of the mottos of our show is winning is secondary, but I'm guessing that's cold comfort after a few years being runner-up. Yes, yeah, we have been runners-up for the last few years, which has been pretty tough, you know, but I think it's kind of fire in the belly to come back each season to play again. So we play for the Richmond Roses, we're a central team in Auckland, and our biggest competitors are over in South Auckland, so Mm -hmm. they kind of jump between two teams, Manurewa and Papakura, and we're up against Manurewa this afternoon, so I'm I'm sure it's going to be a big challenge, but... um, Yeah, it it is just a very close competition here in Auckland, which we're very fortunate to play in. So, you know, every week when you take the field, no matter who you're playing, you're going to be getting some quality footy. Oh, that's good news. Now, 
Georgia, you grew up around rugby league. Your father has been a long-time Warriors and Kiwis team manager, and your uncle is a former international referee, Dennis Hale. What are your memories of the game growing up? Yeah, I have heaps. You know, we obviously grew up around rugby league and lots of it. Some of my fondest memories and the ones I always look back on, one, my brother plays, and he used to play down at our local club, the East Coast Bay's Barracudas, so I always remember being down there on a Saturday morning in my netball dress running around with a pundit of hot chips supporting him so that's really nice even though I wasn't playing at the time you know I was around the game and, and supporting him and we were actually Vodafone Warriors members as well growing up so I remember you know Saturday Arvos or you know Sunday afternoon being over at Mount Smart and watching mm. the team I had no idea what they were doing I <laughs> booed when the crowd booed and I kind of cheered when the team scored so you know even though in that moment I probably didn't realize that I was going to go on to play rugby league you know I was around it and I grew up around it and you know it was something that our family all kind of came together to be at or you know to go and support someone and and yes my uncle being a referee as well he was kind of in the picture so yeah Mm. it was really nice it was just a code that yeah brought us all together yeah and of course you were born in 1995 which is the year that Auckland came into the National Rugby League competition so you really have grown up alongside the Warriors haven't you now you're you're part of that community yeah I know it's all really fallen into place and even in 1995 is the year that the Kiwi Ferns kind of formed so now to be a Kiwi Fern and looking back thinking oh my goodness when I was you know just a little girl and these girls you know our ladies that have paved the way were doing their thing yeah it was a a special year to be born (laughs) yeah cool now can you describe the the broader Auckland rugby league community to we outsiders we've learned a bit about it through the story of Olsen Filipina and other guests on the show but I'd love to know what you think makes the Auckland rugby league community tick and what it feels like being part of it yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing competition. It's so nice that it's in our backyard as well and, and available to all of us at all grades. So the Auckland Rugby League competition is made up of around 32 clubs. Some clubs are really strong and have teams from junior grades right through to our senior teams. You know, some clubs start as juniors and, and develop through there and other clubs just have senior teams. So there's a huge mix. There's kind of a club down the road from pretty much everywhere in Auckland, even over on Waiheke Island, which wow. is nice. So the competition itself has a lot of history, but each club has a lot of history as well. I mean, at my club, Richmond, my great-granddad used to play there. So, you know, you're really like looking mm. back on a lot of history within our game and within those neighbourhoods, which is really nice. And I find with our competition over here in Auckland, you know, your your brother will be playing or your dad will have played at that club and, you know, your aunt is refing or, you know, everyone's really connected. So on a Saturday, you're down and you're supporting young members of your family and then in the afternoon, you might be watching your brother and then on Sundays, you're out watching your sister. So, you know, it's really kind of a, a weekend event every weekend, which is really nice. But yeah, it does create a, a really strong family environment and that's the theme that I see throughout all the clubs, which is really special. Yeah. Now, Georgia, you were clearly a very talented athlete from a very young age. You've been representing New Zealand in different variants of the game for a long time now. Was the idea of representing your country in sport always in your mind growing up, or did it kind of creep up on you as events unfolded? I think I grew up, you know, just kind of diving into everything, playing everything I could or get my hands on, which I loved. And then I think, you know, that kind of my competitive side rolled through. And when I really started to take my sport seriously, and I guess the high school age bracket, I guess that's kind of like that light bulb moment for kids is when they're like, yes, I want to carry on with this or Mm. like 
no, I've kind of done my dash here. And for me, it was there was no question. I really wanted to kind of carry on, see how far I could take my sport. I guess at that age, it was just more a question of which kind of path I wanted to go down. So mm-hmm. I didn't start playing rugby league till I turned 18. Um, okay. I couldn't at the time because there was no pathways in place. It was literally like, you know, play your school netball or some school rugby. And then, you know, when you're 18, then you're, you know, you're finally big enough and old enough to play with the women. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my journey into rugby league, which, you know, I, I look back on and I, I'm glad it happened like that. It would have been nice to have played, you know, rugby league through my grades growing up, but it was nice to kind of get a taste of all different sports and then, you know, land myself in rugby league at a really good age, a mature age, and then I kind of carried on from there. So as soon as I got a taste of rugby league, you know, I was hooked and I really wanted to challenge myself in that environment and see how far I could take it. Also stepping foot into the game, I saw how many pathways were in place and kind of what you could achieve. So, you know, I just, I guess, was in the footsteps of some amazing legends and I just wanted to see what I could do and how far I could take things. Yeah. And what do you enjoy about the actual game of rugby league? Is it the the physicality? Is it the aerobic challenge? Uh, What is it specifically that you love? Oh, it's, it's almost everything, but I really do love the contact. I think being a small girl as well, um, mm. <laughs> it's really nice to kind of be out there and kind of hold your own, which I, I really enjoy. I love all the friendships I've made. I've got friendships in all of the teams I play, you know, from club right up to international. And you just, yeah, you just have a cohesion with your girls that I, I haven't actually found in other sports, which is really nice. Right. And, you know, obviously keeping fit and you're looking after yourself, you know, physically as well, which I enjoy. So there's lots of aspects aspects of the game but yeah overall I got a taste and I fell in love (laughs) excellent now what was it like making your debut for the Kiwi Ferns you were fairly young debutante at 19 years of age from what I understand in a team that featured some very impressive international experience what was that experience like oh it was so overwhelming it was it was amazing it truly was I probably had the most terrible game I've ever played I don't remember (laughs) what I did to actually help the team in that game but just running onto the pitch being out there with legends you know that girls that I had followed that entire season leading into to my debut yeah it was it was truly amazing to have rubbed shoulders with some of the greats not only in the Kiwi Fern side but Jillaroos as well leading into that game I was lucky enough to be involved in the campaign in 2018 where I was 18th woman so Mm -hmm. it was actually really nice to kind of be in the environment but more from a fly on the wall just you know watching how things happen and kind of what it looks like to be a Kiwi Fern so then when I had my moment to actually take the field I did feel very ready but I I do hope and I do look back and I think I've you know come a long way since then Um, I was you know very new to the game and I've learned so much since so I think it's made me better for it. Now, Georgia, let's fast forward to a real highlight for New Zealand's women's rugby league over the past decade or so. It's October 2019, and it's a 17-15 victory over your major rivals, the Gillaroos, in the final of the Rugby League World Cup Nines. You'd been soundly beaten by them in the pool game, but when it counted, you clinched the title. What do you remember about that game? (laughs) That was such a special moment, and one that we always now look back on because we can... (laughs) We can kind of claim it and would work so hard to get there. So it's so nice. That game, yeah, it was neck and neck. You know, if you'd watched the World Cup campaign, mm. kind of when we started off our tournament, we weren't looking so good. We really found our feet in that tournament, kind of game by game. We got an understanding of how it worked, what teams were throwing at us and what we kind of needed to do to counteract everything that was thrown at us. Mm-hmm. So when we got to the final, I think we had kind 
they've taken all of our learnings across that weekend and kind of put them into play. And I think, you know, we had Honey Hitter Me out there, our captain, kind of leading the way. And, you know, she's been in a lot of moments in her career where she's been in finals and, and you know, nail-biting situations. So just to kind of have people on the field next to us with patience, you know, that was kind of sure of the process we were going through was really nice. But, yeah, it was very satisfying taking that win. And, and it was actually also um, satisfying being so neck and neck because, mm. you know, it was, a, you know, a huge kind of fight to get there. So, yes, a very special moment and one that we can hold on to for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now, in the 13-a-side game, New Zealand were the dominant team in women's rugby league throughout the noughties, but it's fair to say the Gillaroos now have that mantle. Watching games between the, the Kiwi Ferns and the Gillaroos, there's clearly not much between you. What do you think you guys need to do to ultimately turn the tables? And do you think it can be done before Rugby League World Cup 2021? Yes, I think it can be done. And I think it's so exciting that we can turn the tables because, you know, we don't like sitting in second. And looking back on all of the histories with the Kiwi Ferns, they've been world champions for back-to-back years. And being a player now and in this time, I want to do what I can to leave my mark on the game. And, you know, that's through success as well. So personally, I really want to turn those tables. But I think as a team, what we can do is really make the most of the time we have leading into the World Cup. Like, I know it's going to creep up on us, like most things do, but if we can just really take our time to appreciate all that we have around us, our resource, our coaching, everything that New Zealand Rugby League's put in place and really grab a hold of it and, and make the most of it, I think we'll be better for it leading into that World Cup. I think for us, it's probably getting on the field and playing as much footy as we can, whether that's at club level or NRL or in our domestic competition, really making the most of all the opportunities that are thrown at us because like I said on a game day it's for me it's really important like just enjoying all the moments leading up to it because as soon as it's over the game is over it's over so it's Mm. kind of the same mentality with World Cup you want to enjoy all the moments you want to enjoy the challenge enjoy all the steps you take to get to where you want to be and then you know when we're at World Cup that's the fun part and kind of the icing on the cake and hopefully that's the case for us come next year. And what is it from that nines final that you think you can take into the Rugby League World Cup is there something tangible something specific that you can and take into the next sort of World Cup situation? Well, I think for us, you know, we may be champions in the, the nines world and the Jiller is maybe, you know, currently sitting on top in our 13-a-side game. But I think it's for us to remember, like, the Jillaroos have two arms, they have two legs, you know, they are athletes like us, but it's kind of, I think it's actually our mental game that is going to be kind of our make or break. And I, I do believe that we have a really strong um, sisterhood and a culture within our Kiwi Ferns team. And I know the want is there to be better and, and to be the best again. I just, you know, hope that we do, like I said, make the most of those moments and mentally that, you know, we're in really good headspaces where, you know, we want to take on the challenge and, and enjoy the lead up to the World Cup because I think that'll be the difference looking forward to October, November next year. Mm. Yeah, the World Cup is just over a year away now. But of course, the world has changed completely over the past few months. It's unrecognisable. Has the concept of playing in a World Cup changed in your mind through this experience? Does it still feel real? Has it felt far-fetched at times? Has it been hard to keep your focus on it as the world has been upended? I think it's been, you know, it's obviously been a lot different to what we used to. You know, when when you're training, you've kind of got people in in the background, some outside noise, you know, is World Cup even going ahead, you know, and, and things like that. I think the biggest thing we can do as players is just look forward to those moments and, you know, keep training and preparing as if they're going to happen. And, and that's kind of in the position we're in at the moment. We're not thinking that World Cup's going to get cancelled or, you know, there's going to be changes made. We're thinking there's a World Cup, mm-hmm. we're going to be playing in it and we want to be in the best shape, the best condition 
version that we can be. I know through lockdown and things, you know, it was a challenge for most of us, you know, just changing the way we do things. But I think we've actually come out better for it, you know, having been through, you know, some really challenging experiences and realizing that, you know, not everything's as easy. And we did have it pretty good before we went into our whole COVID-19 lockdown experience just Mm. with everything we had wrapped around us. But I do think it's made us better for it. And I think we've taken our learnings from that period and we're putting them into practice now as we kind of start to slowly come back together as a squad. But no, I know that our playing group is really looking forward to World Cup. It's it's in the back of our minds. Everything we do, every time we take the field, we have World Cup in sight. So we're not going to change kind of our thought pattern or the way we see that until, you know, (laughs) things really do change. But no, we're very looking forward to our World Cup next year. Sure. Okay. Well, let's, let's hit the field. So I'm interested to know what you're feeling when you're performing a haka with your teammates in front of a big crowd. What's that like? Unreal. It is really unreal. For me, I'm not of Māori descent, so mm-hmm. it's actually very special to be a Kiwi growing up really understanding the roots of our country to be able to perform something so special before we play. It's also really nice to kind of have a focus as well that's not necessarily on footy, but is now a part of our kind of game day ritual, our routine, our lead mm-hmm. into a game. So I actually really do like that aspect of it. Also the learnings and, and everything that the haka provides. But no, it, it is a very special moment to kind of perform that, you know, alongside our sisters and especially our players of Māori descent that are so passionate in that area. I, I love to see that and to perform the haka alongside them. So, yeah, it's a very special moment for us all. It also helps that it does rev you up before the game. So, you know, by the time we've performed the haka and the, the crowd's roaring, you know, we're ready to kick yeah, off. So fabulous. Now, you're a bit of a leader on the field, Georgia, in the teams you play for. For someone who has never really played, and played three games at the age of eight, can you give us an insight into the experience of a high-level rugby league player? I'm particularly keen to know what you can do as a leader to help turn the tide of a game when it all seems to be running against you. The coach's speech is in the distant past. Everyone's breathing heavy. Is there anything a leader can change on the field tactically, or is it all about communicating emotions to your team and instilling belief that you can turn things around as a unit? For me, coming kind of through the last couple of years, I've been really fortunate to be around some really key players, some amazing players, legends of our game, you know, Honey, Hitomi, Laura Mario, Serena Clark. These ladies I've watched as a young girl coming through, just kind of sitting back and admiring what they do, but especially in their leadership roles, because I've been a part of a few campaigns where there has been those moments on the field where maybe things don't go our way, calls are against us, whatever it may be that naturally happens so I've actually really enjoyed my time just watching what you know those leaders that I've been under have done in those situations and now for me in more of a leadership position now at the age that I am I think the biggest thing that I've taken away is that I can lead through actions so you know in those heated moments in the game or you know wherever it may be it's very easy for everyone to kind of have their say you know everyone will have an opinion and you know there'll be lots of things that we'll say to try and get us out of a position like that a challenging position but the biggest thing I've taken away and that I try to do is just lead through action because if I can try and show a teammate on my left or on my right that I'm putting another one percent here or you know I'm kind of not letting it affect me as much as I can then I I do think that's kind of a ripple effect through our team so that's kind of 
my thoughts on it and what I aim to do. I think it's also important, like 80 minutes is a huge game, a long game, and mm. you know, you're going to have moments that don't go your way, but it's important to bring yourself back and be in those moments. Dig your heels back into the grass and just remember like you're actually in a position now where you can change things around and it, it's a case of you know who wants to do that more. So yeah, that's kind of my thinking on it, but it's definitely been led by some of the amazing leaders that I've been under mm. in the last few years. That's fabulous insight. Now, let's talk about the NRL I think everyone agrees the NRLW has been a fabulous introduction into the rugby league landscape. Have you noticed whether it has made a difference to women's rugby league development in Auckland and New Zealand? Absolutely. I think even just the announcement without even seeing what the NRLW looked like at that time a couple of years ago, you know, I think it really changed the way that girls looked at rugby league. A lot of our girls in Auckland and New Zealand have been playing the game for a little while and playing it for enjoyment, but not actually realizing how strong the pathway in places now that, you know, they can be chasing. So I think for our older girls, it changed the mindset as to, you know, I've been playing the game for a little while. I'm going to really challenge myself here, which is exciting. And it definitely did. And then as well, for all of our younger girls coming through, you know, I think being young, it may be easy to, you know, come and try rugby league, but also be tempted by other codes and things that are thrown at you at that age when you're young and mm-hmm. you're, you're kind of a spring chicken and, you know, everyone wants a bit of you. So I think it's really actually helped to keep girls in our game and excited about opportunities that they can be chasing. So, you know, even in our Kiwi Fern squad now, we see there's a lot of 18, 19, 20-year-olds that are really new to the game but are really keen to be learning and, and want to chase those opportunities and those pathways. So it's only done wonders for our game and I think it'll continue to do so. Now, it must be a big relief that the NRLW is back on the agenda after all the uncertainty when COVID first broke. Have you been given any details on how it's all going to work for the Warriors? At this stage, we're a little bit unsure. I think we're maybe actually thinking the worst, like we may be over in Australia living over there like our boys are. And I think we're just expecting that so that we're ready to make plans, you know, with our personal lives to make sure we're in a position to actually do that. Mm -hmm. It would, you know, obviously be a dream if we could be like previous years traveling back and forth, but unsure what the actual situation around playing and and where that will be and how that will look. But, you know, the fact that the Warriors are in the competition again this year is super exciting. There's a new coach on board, Slade Griffin, who Mm -hmm. is kind of fresh off the NRL scene as a player and, you know, really working in the coaching space now. So, you know, I think there's a lot of exciting things to just look at internally at the Warriors, just with our NRLW space, and just we'll kind of let everything fall into place with the NRL and the actual competition structure, you know, with those that can control that. But as a player, we're just kind of controlling what we can, looking forward to, you know, our training ramping up soon and working alongside Slade. Yeah, well, you probably touched on it there, but the Warriors have been there or thereabouts over the, the past couple of years, some impressive victories, but never quite make the grand final. Uh, why can the Warriors improve and sort of take that next step in this year's NRLW? Yeah, well, I think we've been fortunate, you know, to be in the competition for a couple of years now. We've seen a lot and we've seen a lot from, you know, what the other teams have shown us. So I think we're actually in a better position this year to really compete, you know, knowing what we're going into. We've Mm. had the same structure for the last two years. We know it happens really quickly. 
We know our preparation time is key, but I think with the addition of Slade in this team, and I'm, I'm sure some strong staff around him, I think is going to help. Also, like I touched on before, you know, a lot of the girls in Auckland, New Zealand, have kind of changed their mindset around how they take their rugby league and, and what they want to do with it. So there's a lot of girls now competing for spots, which is neat because it's the best thing that mm. can happen, you know, within a team, but, you know, for player development as well that we're competing for jersey numbers so I think you know even just having seen what the competition's like the last two years I think it's actually going to work in our favour to just know you know where we need to be you know come October when it is kick off and it's just making the most of this prep time as well that we do have. Mm. Okay well now I'd like to get to the off-field stuff Georgia as I mentioned in the intro you are the community relations coordinator at the New Zealand Warriors and you and the club have clearly made a significant difference to your community. How do you ensure your community work is meaningful and not just a tick box exercise? Yeah, I think that's really easy, to be honest. You know, when you're engaging with people around all different communities around the country, it's it's just such a special thing. And the fact that our game is kind of like the driving brand behind it, but it's not always necessarily the main message, rugby league. You know, it's kind of just the brand that we use to get our messages out there. It's a very special job that I have and one that I definitely don't just tick the box with I think Mm. we just look at really what we can do what changes we can make and who we can engage with and I've been very fortunate to cross paths and rub shoulders with very amazing Kiwis across the country and for me that's what gets me up in the morning knowing like the change and the difference that I can make but also all of these amazing relationships that I have made in my time and my role and that excites me and wants me to kind of continue doing what I'm doing. And of course, you've shown that it's not just a tick box exercise. You're, of course, honoured with the Young New Zealander of the Year Award in February this year. Huge congratulations. Can you take us through what that experience was like? Uh, Can you take us to the ballroom, uh, pass us the hors (laughs) d'oeuvres? What was the nightlife itself? Oh, it was amazing. I was pretty speechless on the evening, to be honest. The whole lead up, I really didn't expect anything like it was one thing to be nominated and kind of like you know work into the semi-finals and things like that but until I actually really attended that evening and and rubbed shoulders with so many amazing New Zealanders and really realized the I guess where the awards sat and how special they were yeah it was a very surreal moment it was very special to have my family there I didn't expect anything going to the awards alone was amazing for me just to be you know recognized as a semi-finalist but to be recognized on the night and awarded Young New Zealander of the Year was a huge honour and one that, yeah, I I won't ever forget. I often look back on it just to think of, you know, how special that moment was and how much it's really changed me, to be honest. You know, I'm just so glad that I could wave our flag, our rugby league flag, but also our women's rugby league flag and, and the community work that I do as well. So, yeah, a very special moment in my career so far. And this is a question from my girlfriend who is from Auckland. She asks, was a lady called, who I've never really heard of, J.R. Ardern there, a lady called Jay Ardern there. <laughs> yes, she was there, which made it even more special. <laughs> <laughs> right, fair enough. And now, what do you receive as the winner of such an award? My greatest work-related achievement was an Employee of the Month award, which garnered me a $100 Maya gift voucher which, <laughs> with which I'd bought a Converse Sloppy Joe. What do you get for being a young New Zealander of the year? Uh, so we were very fortunate. We did get 
quite a nice check to go with that. Definitely didn't expect it, but that was really lovely. And we got this beautiful glass trophy as the recipient of the award. So, yes, that was really nice. But on top of that, you know, there was a lot of media and attention and things, which was nice. But it also provided the opportunity to really touch on the area that I'm so passionate about, rugby league, our game and the work we do in the community, which was probably the most rewarding thing. Yeah, and how does the responsibility of such an award sit with you? Yeah, it's huge. You know, looking back on it, I mean, just even thinking of the title, I'm, you know, I truly am honoured, but I'm now in a position where I've really reflected on it and it's all sunk in and I'm kind of thinking, you know, what can I really do with this? You know, where can we take our game? What can I do in my community space? And like I said, it's more about just waving the flag and continuing to put our game on the map and, you know, getting into communities and engaging with people and really trying to grow our game. So I'm just fortunate to do that. And I guess, you know, the title and that award does help with that. But, you know, rugby league is like the first thing in my mind that comes up and I just want to do it, you know, really to give back to our game. It's mm. given me so much. And I understand you're organising some rugby league activities for people with learning disabilities. We've seen the heartwarming success of the learning disability rugby league in the UK. Can you tell us what that experience has been like for you? That's actually been one of the most rewarding experiences. Short story, I actually, before I started at the Warriors, I was a teacher up at a local school, a special school, working with students that have an intellectual disability. So I made some amazing relationships there. And from my work there, carrying into the Warriors, I really kind of wanted to put them together and see what I could do. Working in the community space, I really wanted to make it a game for everyone that everyone could play or be a part of. So we started running an intellectual disabilities little competition here in Auckland. We've had our teams playing before the Warriors and things. So, mm. And we run footy clinics and holiday programs for those athletes. So it's a very special space to work in, you know, bringing kind of two passions of mine together. And when they are passions like that, it does make it quite easy. But no, it's just really special to see, you know, a lot of different people playing our game in the same way and just really opening doors. So, yeah, that's one thing that I've really enjoyed doing in my time and my role here at the Warriors. Now, can you tell us about one of the the people that you work with, a guy by the name of Shaku, I believe. Can you tell us a bit about him? (laughs) Yes, Shaku, he was one of my students. And we had a really good relationship. Shakur is hilarious and he just loves life and he's so positive and bubbly. So we got on like a house on fire. And when I left school, it was probably the hardest thing was actually leaving Shakur. Mm. You know, the understanding that I was going on to kind of do something new and I wasn't going to be his teacher anymore. But we continued hanging out and we'd write letters to each other. And, you know, as much as I can, you know, I try and include Shakur in what I'm doing. And so bringing him over to be a part of the intellectual disabilities team and and game and competition we were running was really special. And he loves rugby league and would always be tackling on the field at school. So it was nice that we could tackle in a safe environment where, you know, everyone here is playing rugby league. So, yes, Shakur is a very special friend of mine. Good stuff. Now, we're running out of time quickly, Georgia, but just back to your role at the Warriors. Now, as an employee of the Warriors, what's the feel like at the moment? Because obviously the the team is living and playing and playing their trade in Australia. Is it strange having sort of the main team at the moment in another country while the rest of the organisation is in Auckland? What's that like? It does 
does make the office quite quiet. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot different there. But the fact that our boys are over there and they're playing footy and they're in the competition, there's rugby league on our screens. You know, we're so grateful that they're in a position to be doing that. There's footy on, there's support from home. So, you know, it does make it a different working environment. We're doing a lot of things in my space virtually. I'm mm-hmm. still trying to have our boys engaged with the community and things. But, yeah, it's been a challenging year for them. But, you know, they're over there and playing the game that they love and it's just neat that they can be still a part of the competition with everything that's gone on so for us back in Auckland back at the office you know we just carry on doing what we're doing we're focusing on our roles and even though it's changed slightly and we don't have access to the boys like we usually would we just you know we're grateful that we can pick up the phone and and give them a call and Mm. you know still use them where we can yeah Okay, Georgia, you've got a game to get to. Thanks very much for your time. You're doing an amazing job on and off the field. Rugby League is very lucky to have you. Georgia, it's been a real joy talking to you. Congratulations on what you've achieved on and off the field. Keep doing what you're doing. Good luck with all that follows your community work, the Richmond Roses, the NRLW, the Rugby League World Cup, the lot. Georgia Hale, thanks for joining the Progressive Rugby League podcast. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Progressive Rugby League. Well, that was thoroughly enjoyable, friends. Thanks again for joining us and thanks for staying in touch. We're loving the feedback on the show. You can find us on Twitter at Prog Rugby League and on email via progressiverl at outlook.com. Until we meet once more, I'll be praying for a rugby league to hold me and see ya. <laughs> <laughs>